ghosts are horny. Ookie. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Ripley. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. I feel like anyone who has lived in an office environment has lived a terrible life. (laughs) (laughs) I am currently in a retail environment and it is a terrible life. Tell me about your worst or least favorite jobs that have made you go, wow, my life is terrible. (laughs) I'm going to give an honorable mention to when I worked at Subway and my boss found a loophole to get us paid waitressing wages (gasps) without getting tips. No. Which was, I, oh my God. So when I first started working, I was making three. Wait, wait, wait! Pump the brakes. How is this the honorable? Right? Mention? Holy shit! Oh, maybe it should be. <laughs> oh, which? Maybe it should be the really bad one. I've had some shit jobs. I don't know. I do hate to say it, but I think my least favorite job may have been. No, what? No, I'm rewinding. I'm changing my mind. I was gonna say, the pharmacy, <laughs> but the pharmacy had the redeeming quality of having one of the best teams I ever worked with, like, I really genuinely enjoyed everyone I worked with there. Yeah. Whereas when I worked at Subway, I was making $3.80 an hour in 2007. So, yeah, I'm actually going to change it to the sub shop, because when I think about it, it was a bizarre, bizarre experience. For one, like, you would not have think this restaurant was busy because it was in the middle of nowhere, but we were also the only place to eat in a fucking, like, 10-mile radius. Mm-hmm. So, like, it would get really busy. Also, my coworkers were so fucking strange. So, I had this... I worked very hard. I was very good at that job, and I actually, like, everyone in the community knew me from working there. And, like, um, so, like, it was kind of nice that I had, like, that sense of community there. But um, I had this coworker... And, like, for one, our boss was, like, a very rich accountant who owned most of the town I lived in. Like, most of the houses. He was a landlord. All of the bad things. Love that. And he just, like, was not a good person. But I had this coworker who was this woman who was, like, twice my age and only cared about drama and would talk shit about me to the boss, like, make up stories to make herself look better because she wanted to be the manager And, like, I was the person who, like, did the most for the store. So, like, I would have been the obvious choice. Mm -hmm. She made that job so miserable. For one, she tried to set me up on a date with her 13-year-old daughter when I was in my 20s. Ew! And, like, how wildly inappropriate. And, like, I tried to explain to her, like, not only would I absolutely not be interested in her child, but also, like, she should not be pimping her daughter out to adults. That's, like, really fucking dangerous. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> but she also was part of a church. And this church would have auctions where people would make, like, baskets of cookies and, like, little, like, you know, things. And they would auction them off and all of the money would go to charity. 
Yeah. She got into making and selling homemade sex toys <gasps> on eBay. What? And I mean, like, she would take, like, PVC <laughs> pipe and rubber and make sex toys, give them to her family to test them out. Uh, ew. I kid you not, this is a true story. But she came to me and she was, like, bawling her eyes out one day because she would auction things off at this charity and she loved doing it. And she tried to auction off her homemade sex box. No. Which she was, like, making homemade fleshlights. Oh, no. God. And tried to sell that at a church charity. What? And it, it is still one of the most bizarre things. I, like, sometimes will think about her and, like, <laughs> think, like, I'm like, was she a real person? Or was this some kind of fever dream I went through? Wow. Was this Dear the same God, person so. with, with no. the ghost cummies in the manager's office? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Incredible. Incredible. Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> wow. Oh, I could go on for days, but I think I'll just leave. Well, I'll let you simmer with that story. So what about you, Ripley? <laughs> oh, God. How do I follow that up? Um... <clears throat> <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to say honorable mention working as a stower at Amazon. That is an honorable mm. mention, and that place, like, drove me nuts, literally. And I'm going to say the worst place that I worked was a call center. So I worked in an office, and I was a customer service representative for Medicare and Marketplace. Oh, no. So that was hell on earth. And then I finally was able to try and, like, become a trainer for a little while because they do, like, a temporary, like, trainer thing where you can, like, become one for the season and, you know, train the new the new hires. And I was doing pretty good at it. And then I ran – I got paired up with this person and all hell broke loose in the department because she gaslit the fuck out of me. Ooh. And the manager said that I was causing, like – world war three in his department because i was being gaslit in front of the class so yeah um that was fun i was grounded to my office for two weeks and i didn't do anything jesus yeah so i now work from home <laughs> yay i do not what blame the you fuck? yeah like, so with that same company no <laughs> oh thank god nope i left that no i'm not putting up with that anymore i process insurance claims it's fun. Jesus. Well, what about you, Jasper? I think the worst job I ever had was honestly, and this is even despite the fact that I met one of my best friends ever there. My worst job was probably working at Portia's Cafe, <laughs> mm. um, which is a vegan restaurant that is all gluten-free and raw where it can be, mm -hmm. which sounds like it would be really great, except that the owner, I'm pretty sure, is like a sociopath. Oh. And yeah, she, she, she fired me for being depressed. Oh my god, really? Yeah. She pulled me aside and she was like, you know, I think if your depression is getting this bad, then maybe you should just quit. And I was like, well, I need to work. Wow. So. I'm so sorry. Yeah, there was lots of stuff. I was always getting harassed by her and one of the longtime cooks there. And she did all kinds of disgusting stuff, like trying to get us to salvage things that had fallen on the floor. Uh. One time, so she can't cook, right? Which is hilarious because she owns a restaurant and all of her good recipes are like stolen from online. It just cracks me up. 
But anyways, she had this soup that was like this Greek soup, quote unquote, or Mediterranean or whatever. And it was like not even kale, but kale stems and like chickpeas and like cinnamon in it or whatever. Stems? Stems. The not eatable part. She's an idiot. Anyway, so I didn't realize that she was saving these stems for the soup. Silly me, I thought she was going to use the greens. No. Um, so she fished out a bunch of kale stems that I had put in the compost. Oh, no. The, the kale stems that I had put in the compost, she went and dug them out. Oh, those and have, like, chemicals in, the in them. Yeah. I don't know if she actually had, like, real composters. Basically, she just had bins of vegetable trash. Oh. But still, it was, like, rotting produce in there. And she was putting it in there with it. I definitely called the health department on her. It's been a while since I've done that. I should do that again. (laughs) Every now and again, I go back and call. Because I'm sure she hasn't updated any of her business practices or anything. Wow. That place is still there for some reason. Holy crap. She lost her diner business she tried to open in Clintonville. Which made me laugh. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Like, I, like, want to support local business, and I will continue to support local businesses, but anyone that I've worked for, I have fucking been so miserable. Yeah, well, it's because I don't want to get into a huge economic discussion, actually. I'm going to pump the brakes (laughs) on that. But I just want to affirm that you're correct, that small business owners are just as psycho and evil as big business owners. They just have a much smaller sphere of influence um, and therefore are more likely to target you personally. <laughs> uh, yeah. So ghosts. So ghosts, right. <laughs> Today's episode is season four, episode 17, It's a Terrible Life, the one where Dean gets gaslit. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble, directed by James Conway, and originally aired on March 26, 2009. I was expecting a bottlenecked episode. I didn't know it would be exactly in this way. I thought it was super funny that you were like, well, we're going to get a ghost. It's probably going to be like a bottleneck. (laughs) And I was like, (gasps) yep. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's because like, I don't know why I'm like a defeatist unless they're done and incredibly well i am not a fan of bottleneck episodes in general yeah um because i feel like they just start they kind of take time away from what i really want which is like to learn stuff about cool monsters right and to see the growth of the boys as hunters i think this episode still achieved that though I agree. despite being a bottle episode and i you know what i'm actually i'm gonna go to bat for bottle episodes because they tend to be really good character study episodes mm-hmm. provided they're in the right show there's an episode of community that's a bottle episode and they keep saying it's a bottle episode in the episode i know exactly which one you're talking about i like that one i'm literally abed by the way <laughs> <laughs> Can you um, explain for those of us at home who's never heard of this term of bottleneck episode? Oh, yeah. So a bottle episode is basically um, just a plot scenario in which all of the characters or a few of the characters are trapped together and can't get out until oh, like okay. a, a thing, capital T, is resolved. And usually it makes them go crazy because they're like stuck together and they have to deal with each other's personal bullshit and weird idiosyncrasies and can bring conflicts to the surface. Am I missing anything? 
Nope, that sounds about right. Oh, okay, cool, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Sorry about that. I <laughs> tend to assume everyone knows terms, and I just say them. So I appreciate the reminder. You're I have welcome. to say, though, I think um, this episode has one of the best, like, intros. I wouldn't really call it a cold open, but it has one of the best intros out of any of the episodes. I just love the way it opens with the unexpected, and it just yes. keeps doing that for, like, five minutes straight. <laughs> You're like, okay, suddenly I'm inside of the plot of American Psycho. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, when Dean changes the rock music to NPR, I thought that was so clever and funny. Yeah, no, I love that. I'm, like, an insane person, so I'm sitting here, like... You know, rice milk doesn't actually froth very well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm deeply sorry for the person that I am. But yeah, I just feel like this whole intro is such a good lampoon of, like, um, office culture. Not, like, cubicle culture, but the more sort of corporate aspects of office culture. I think, like, (laughs) the bit... Um, the bit where Zachariah walks in in the beginning and they they just say good stuff and big things at each other back and forth like three <laughs> times, that always has me losing it. I'm like, yeah, people are just like fake and weird. Absolutely. I was really shocked that the episode didn't, like, I, I really am glad that they opened the episode this way. Because they could have very easily opened the episode with the guy sticking his head in the microwave. Yeah. Like, that oh my seems God, like right. a supernatural op- opening to me. Right. That would have been the expected one. I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. And, like, the fact that they encounter the first suicide death, like, while they're there, is so different from the formula that we're usually given. Mm-hmm. Something that stands out to me about um, Dean and this is that, like, the whole, like, conversation surrounding food and diet, because, like, eating is such a big part of what's emphasized with his character throughout the series, and part of that we understand is because of, like, food scarcity, certainly, um, for him, or, like, just not being not getting what he needs all the time so as an adult eating like shit constantly because it's like wow it's there yep so like (laughs) so he's eating like all the kinds of foods that he makes fun of normally and like obviously that's just goofy in and of itself but what really sticks out is his vanity about it so like sam sam eats healthy because it's healthy (laughs) and he's like i grew up on shit food i want to eat healthy and treat my body right and (laughs) but when dean has the opportunity to eat healthy or the impetus to eat healthy it's all about how he looks and like losing weight And it just like I just I'm so tickled by it. Like he doesn't actually care about how he feels on it. Yeah, he doesn't care about like listening to his body or being healthy or anything. As emphasized probably by the fact that he's doing the the lemon juice thing. Ugh. So <laughs> I kept thinking about that the whole time. 
I was like watching this because I'm like juice cleanses make you constantly on the verge of shitting your pants. Well, that one in particular because of the pepper and the Uh acid, like literally you were just shitting yourself constantly. That's how you lose weight. It's like (laughs) it's like having um, what is that uh, that you get from drinking bad water? Oh, oh, dis not dysentery, dysentery, dysentery. Dysentery? (laughs) Yeah, it's like having dysentery. I mean, obviously not that extreme, but like, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. you know, you're not like losing water weight or what. I mean, I guess you are, but you're you're just like assaulting your digestive system. Yeah. So gross. Ugh. Yeah, I was like, he's gonna hit hit by a ghost and shit his pants. Honestly, I you know, given the way this show is, I'm surprised that never came up. But Miss Sarah is a classy bitch, and I don't think she would resort to an overt (laughs) poop joke. Oh, this is a Sarah Gamble episode? It is. It's weirdly not surprising, but also kind of surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can tell, I think, that it's Sarah Gamble because of the attention paid to Dean in particular. Mm. And the fact that it's angel fuckery. That's very fair. What else about Dean? I love Dean's little outfits. I know I already said American Psycho, but like seriously, his outfits very much feel like the kind of costumes they had for Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. And I find that funny, but I can't, like I know he's supposed to seem like a douchebag, but he doesn't for some reason. He just (laughs) seems like some guy. And so I'm just sitting here being like little Dean, Look at him in his little outfits with his little side part. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cute. His fucking suspenders. Get out of here. His outfit in the next scene when he meets Sam. Yeah. It's conceptually very strange. Tell me more. Which I like. So like, so we have a red tie. Yeah. Blue pinstripe button up and emerald green jacket. Was his jacket green? It's a lot. Was it? I didn't notice that. It was. It was green. It was just, huh. like, a very busy outfit, which, like, doesn't... It, like, somehow seems really Dean, but also not that Dean-like. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not sure. Yeah. It was, it was I mean, in keeping with the rest of the nonsense in in the beginning, it, you know, not Dean and yet somehow still Dean. <laughs> well... With, like, the tie had little diamond bits on it, and then mm-hmm. with the pinstripes, it's almost like it's like the parts that make up a plaid. Like, they're, like, separated. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm trying. <laughs> they, they were not afraid to mix a print yeah. in this episode. They said, prints on prints on prints, is what they <laughs> said. And I'm here for it, personally. I think it's very funny. I also think it's really funny that Dean, when he's renting um, FBI suits is more put together than in he is as an actual, like, finance guy. I disagree awesome. with that. What? Honestly, I just think that, like, the style is a little over the top. Okay. I mean, the 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 plain-ass FBI suits are just what they are. They're, it's just, like, it's hard to go wrong with black and white, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think these are ostentatious outfits, but they're definitely more put together, and they fit him better. I always think he looks like he's wearing kind of like a potato sack when he wears <laughs> the suits usually. They like look a little bit big on him. I don't know. I could just be mean. Let's talk about Sam though. While Dean is 
on his Bluetooth <laughs> up on the whatever floor up there. There's a lot of cheeky little things with Sam going on. I love the the little Dracula bobblehead. And it's like mm-hmm. the episode after we've found out that he's been drinking Ruby's blood. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wasn't fully sure yeah. what direction they were wanting to take Sam in mm-hmm. this episode. I don't know if he was supposed to mostly just take a back seat and be a vehicle for moving the plot along and getting Dean to the point where he has a decision to make. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was kind of interesting because, and I could be wrong, but the very first and like second season where a lot of it was about that like Sam was sucked into a life that he had left and doesn't want to be a part of. But now in this, he's very much at a different point, which I find, find very interesting. And now Dean is at the opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Sam spends this whole episode being like something isn't right. I don't think I am who I am. I'm supposed to be doing something else. Very driven. And I do love that, like, despite all of the things that he's doing that are maybe maybe more in the morally gray area or we're not so sure it's going to pan out great for him area, um, he's very certain of himself and, like, the development of his character from being, like, fuck this to this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, is, like, very cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see. I think it's unexpected. I do like that um, they immediately bring back the visions? Yeah! Question mm-hmm. mark? Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, that's, like, a cheeky little thing. I don't think it's visions so much as, like, because he has, like, an elevated psychic whatever ability he has access to memory stuff in a way that Dean doesn't. Oh, this is okay. just headcanon, essentially. This is just how I I understand it in the, in the episode. I don't think he's actually having visions, but I do think we are meant to be reminded of that. I think especially considering that, like, he sits at his desk and he's, like, doodling, and I think... The, The last time we saw him really do that very seriously was literally in season one, episode nine, Home, right after he has the first vision. I feel like this scene in the elevator does set up the episode fairly well and kind of show us where it's trying to go. Which one? With with Sam being like, hey, uh, what do you think about ghosts? (laughs) That made me laugh so hard. I don't know, something about, like, Jared Padalecki's delivery, like, when they're doing, like, humor, like, I don't know, he's just really good at being funny. It's just not natural, guys. (laughs) I will say, I'm gonna point it out again, the whole I'm not that way, like, the I'm not gay joke. Yeah. They need to stop having those between the brothers. I don't care if they don't know their brothers at this point. Like, just stop. Yeah, we know. We know. See, this is why every fucking episode, I'm like, does Eric Kripke ship in, like, Wincest? Mm -hmm. Like, does he ship them together? Like, I can't help but wonder, you know? No, absolutely. I'm just like, what is going on in y'all's brains? Yeah. So it's like, whatever. And like on the other on the other side of that, which is actually what I thought you were going to talk about, um, to have him being like, like pushing against the idea of being gay, mm-hmm. I think is so funny 
considering that like this version of Dean where he hasn't been thoroughly traumatized actually has like access comfortably for the most part to um more feminine aspects of his personality in a way that he doesn't usually so then to have him still being like i'm not gay (laughs) i don't know it's just i find it goofy also that reminds me that i wanted to say that yeah i feel like this just confirms that all of his weird ideas about masculinity are from john because when he can't remember john (laughs) he just likes what he likes Yeah, he would be pretty well-rounded if Bobby and Ellen were his actual parents and if Joe was, like, related to him. That made me so sensitive. I know. I I always forget that he says that. And then the bit about Joe being his sister, which (sighs) fucking, yeah, that is how he (laughs) thinks about her. Thank you. (laughs) Validated. Mm -hmm. Affirmed. Proven right. (laughs) What do you guys make of this Ian character that Sam works with in um, tech support? Um, first, he was annoying, but I will also say I'm glad that he's a big proponent of quiet quitting. <laughs> Acting your wage. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the pencils cracked me up so much. I gotta say, like, respect to a guy who's trying to hook up with much older women. Good for you. Good for him. But also, Supernatural really wants you to th- to know that they think women who are aging are not sexual beings anymore. Oh, yeah. And it's no, weird. Totally. <laughs> yeah, no, like, Sam's reaction is disgust immediately. Yeah. To be fair, he's been on the receiving end of so many cougars over the past few years in the show. True. <laughs> so, like, I get it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think most of his major cougar incidents are yet to come, but the biggest one, I think, was, yeah, season three. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like when I was saying about the incest, like, and this instance with, like, the cougar thing, like, these jokes would not bother me. Like, I yeah. would be like, haha, if it just wasn't, like, a repeated theme constantly. Yeah. But good for Ian. I hope he got laid before he got killed by the HR ghost. <laughs> the worst ghost of all. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> it makes you work Ugh. hard and then it kills you. <laughs> Get got by the corporate spy fake friend. Ugh. Right? Horrible. Yeah, it's tough to watch those, uh, those kills. I forgot. Because it's been a while since I've seen the show, how brutal some of the stuff can be. Oh my god, this episode was like fucking Final Destination. Right? (laughs) They were like, you know what we haven't done in a while? Killed someone in a really fucked up way. (laughs) Miss Sarah, what were you working out that week? (laughs) The microwave one made me laugh because I'm just like, it just seems like so much effort. Like, they're already on, like, what fucking floor of a high-rise? Like, just jump out the fucking window. Like, he goes to all the effort to, like, jam the microwave open and shove his head in there. It just seems wacky to me. Especially because, like, there's some symbolism in this specific, like, moment of throwing themselves off the building. Because that actually refers back to time to this ghost was alive and how most people were dying. But, I don't know, put a head in microwave, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like... Yeah, I I forgot about that, the suicides with the stock market crash, but yeah, yeah, I guess uh, now that I'm thinking of it, that would 
be a little too on the nose if it was like the exact same way. But still, anyway, mm-hmm. keep it kooky, keep it crazy. We love that. <laughs> the elevator one always makes me think of Grey's Anatomy, though. I'm like, where's 007? Does that happen on the show? My goodness. Everything happens on that show, Ricky. <laughs> If you can think of a medical crisis, it's happened or they're planning on having it happen. Oh, okay. Jeez, okay. That show is insane. I love it. (laughs) Um, My take on Ian was that Sam is like sort of subconsciously drawn to this kind of like not very well kept, like makes gross weirdo jokes and like is sort of, you know, against the grain, I guess. It, like, he's looking for for a dean in his life. Like, he immediately latches on to this guy who, like, <gasps> makes fun of all of his, like, psychic stuff. Because, like, I feel like you sit and you, you watch it and without, like, identifying Ian as being similar to Dean normally, like, you just sort of sit there and you're like, why is Sam friends with this guy? <laughs> he just seems annoyed by him. <laughs> I didn't think of that. That actually makes a lot of sense. That never occurred to me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I think the big thing is that Ian is how Dean was intended to come off originally and just doesn't. And Jensen is awesome. And Jensen is awesome. But this kind of brings me around to Sam's little Bella Swan moment. He like literally Googles vampires. Oh (laughs) Oh my God. You're right. (laughs) What are you going to do with that information, Sam? Like, what Like, as if he doesn't know what vampires are already. Like, why are you Googling vampires? What are you doing? (laughs) I would have loved if they had a clip of him, like, actually watching, like, Breaking Dawn or something. Oh, my gosh. I think it was still too soon for Breaking Dawn. Was the first one out by then? Wait, hold on. I need to Google this. Yes. I'm pretty sure. New Moon came out that year in 2009. What month did it come out? I might have just exposed myself, but I have only seen the first Twilight. Okay, the thing with Twilight, the Twilight movies, is that honestly, the first one is the only one I can recommend spending time on. And not because it's a good movie, but because there's shit like, hang on, Spider Monkey. It's so funny. And that's the one with the the vampire baseball and everything. Mm-hmm. Essence of camp. It's it's so fun. And I think it was unfortunate that you know, its whole fan base is like bored older women and you know, you know and and like teenage girls, which you know, totally fine, but they're looking for like more of a romance thing. So of course after the first one comes out, then they're like, "Oh, we have to do a romance thing." None of them really capture the magic again after that. I will say that Breaking Dawn has the nightmare fuel baby. And, um, (laughs) so I, I do recommend engaging with Breaking Dawn part two or whatever, whatever the baby happens. Um, oh, and that's, you nicknamed my baby after the locked us monster. That's in that one as well. Like there's some psycho shit in that movie. (laughs) What was that baby's name? Was it like rotisserie chicken or something? <laughs> Renesme. Oh, that's right, Renesme. Somehow worse. <laughs> I'm so angry that I knew that. Like, oh, Jesus. 
Yeah. I mean, listen, it was a cultural moment. You know, it's fine to have engaged with that and even to I have enjoyed it. I watch them. I read the first three books. And then when I realized that she wasn't going to leave Edward for Jacob, I stopped. Oh, my God. <laughs> you were Team Jacob. Real. I am also Team Jacob. I was Team Hover Herb, like uh, the hot vampire dad was. Ew! <laughs> he just looked <laughs> freaky. Like, I knew he knew what he was doing in the sheets. Okay, the the real shit, though, is that it should have been Bella and Alice. Just saying. Yes. Mm, fair. Okay, what the fuck? We need to stop talking about <laughs> Twilight. Why is this still happening? I'm changing the subject. As goofy as the microwave death was, I like the Ian death better. Yeah. Yeah. Had more impact. Because <laughs> he, he died from, like, <laughs> impact on his throat. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, that scene made me laugh. I don't know, something about the soap dispensers all going off and, like, squirting yeah. out, like, the Teletubby. Right? Custard. The tele- yeah, the Teletubby custard. Yeah. Right? And it's, like, literally making cartoon goo noises. And meanwhile, this guy is, like, bleeding out all over the floor. <laughs> I was like, what, what is happening? It was, like, the closest thing. It was, like, they could get to, like, ectoplasm, almost. You, oh, do you think, like, I was, it was, you think it was meant to evoke that? I, that's what I felt. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense. The ghost just wanted some of that Teletubby custard. <laughs> they make that shit look good. They do! <laughs> Literally, I, <laughs> I would eat that. I wanted to. I always really liked their cups, like, because it has the straw, like, around the outside, right? But, like, the, yes. the hole for the straw is, like, perfectly at the bottom, like, in yes. that sort of ridge so area that's, like, really hard to get to with, like, an inserted straw. This is Perfect the real landing. ergonomic <laughs> innovation that I want to <laughs> see in the world. Oh, man. It's like we're talking about everything but the episode. <laughs> Okay, to be fair, like, the actual beats of the episode are not the interesting part. That's why I didn't write anything down. <laughs> womp womp. I know. One thing I do like about bottle episodes is that I can be evil and watch a brainwa brainwiped Dean have to experience someone dying in front of his eyes for the first time. Oh my god, Jordan! <laughs> Holy fuck. Jesus! He handles it well. I thought so too. Oh my god! <laughs> Meanwhile, his coworkers like, yeah, I'm never gonna eat popcorn again. Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> uh. So fucking vapid. <laughs> it's a mood. And like, to be honest, the both of them discovering that they're really interested in ghosts, actually, and like having someone to talk to about that was really fucking cute. Like, the scene where Sam goes up to Dean's office, and he's like, oh, and I looked into this, and da-da-da-da. And I don't know, they're just, like, gushing. It's like finding someone in the wild who shares your, like, special interest, and yes, suddenly... Yes, I was gonna say that. Right. <laughs> Me beginning to interact with Supernatural Twitter for the first time. <laughs> fucking mind expansion meme. Um, oh, yeah. That's this scene. 
And they're so cute! I love them! They are. They're very precious. Gushing like Teletubby goo. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. We're bringing it back. <laughs> it hasn't even been long enough to bring it back. I, I didn't get to say it. It wasn't fair. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. I do like the idea. Like, the haunting itself is so dumb, which I really like. I like that they just allowed it to be dumb. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah, like, why you not? didn't have to think about it that much, because it's not the point. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, a weird ghosts that fully exist just to make people work hard he died over a hundred years ago but yet he can send people emails somehow i don't i don't need it explained to me i accept it let's watch a guy stick his head in a microwave yeah whatever like who cares i love that like the ghost is capitalism like he's yes. like <laughs> cracking the whip the ghost whip yeah well i also like that while the ghost is simple, it also is supposed to be, like, a representation of, like, this awful life. Because, like you said, it's capitalism, and, like, this is their worst-case scenario, is that they end up like this, and not actually them yeah. being hunters. Yeah, it's, like, I kind of have weird vibes about this. I mean, like, I, I think those sorts of jobs are obviously, like, bullshit. But I also feel like it's kind of reductive to be, like... Well, you're wasting your life if you're working a job like this. Because, I mean, I, I think it is inherently capitalist to assume that 100% of a person's sense of self-worth and purpose comes from their job. Which is, which is the argument of this episode. Yep. You know, if, if Dean and Sam don't do their job, their like big destined thing they have to do then they're wasting their life i don't know it's it's just like like i understand that that is a thing but to to compare it to a day-to-day -day job just gives it sort of a weird flavor for me <laughs> i just really hate capitalism yeah. <laughs> i will say like um one of the most common things that is talked about in therapy is trying to disassociate your personality from being yourself as a like a worker that is one of the most common things in therapy that people have to deprogram yeah absolutely our generation i feel like is so fucked over with that because of the way we were raised like you know you can be anything you want to be and like blah 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 and you'll like you know work a job you love you'll never work a day in your life like all of oh, that geez. crap like Ugh. i feel like was dumped on us mm -hmm. so so hard and then you know the generations before us fucked up the economy so bad that we can't do any of the things that they programmed us to want to try and do <laughs> And right. then, yeah, so they're like, yeah. do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. By the way, um, everything pays literally nothing, and 90% of your paycheck will go to rent, so you have to work a lot more than you're even meant to. I don't know, it's all, yeah, you're right, it's also stupid. Yeah, it's, all, it's all bad. It's all bad, right? I don't know. So I, I, take, I take issue with that core idea about your day-to-day -day work. Obviously, for Sam and Dean, it's a little bit different, since what they do isn't really a job so it's all it's all fucky it's all terrible proof <laughs> sort of 
tangential to this conversation about self-worth and identity coming from work. In the middle of the episode is when they sort of drop us with like the idea of destiny and Sam and Dean's different perspectives on that, which is really what we're meant to be thinking about this whole episode. Sam is like, you know, there's something different in my blood. I'm destined for something else, all this stuff. And Dean is like, I don't believe in destiny. I believe in dealing with what's in front of us. And I wanted to hear what you thought about that, Jordan. I don't know. So first, the message was a little muddied for me because they made Mm -hmm. it out to be like, you can have this life or that life. There's two options. So, like, I was kind of like, okay, so is their cosmic destiny to kill Lilith? And if they don't do that, then this is, like, their other destiny? I was very confused on that point. Gotcha. So, at the end of the episode, Zachariah tells Dean, like, oh, I just, you know, erased some of your memories and stuck you guys here because... Essentially, he just wanted them to prove to themselves that hunting monsters and ghosts and stuff is what they are supposed to be doing because it's something they're good at and they enjoy. Like, so because of the fact that they intuitively and instinctually went and solved this case and dealt with it, even without knowing that that was, you know, what they had grown up learning how to do is like proof that... Zachariah can then be like, well, look at this about like why they should believe in themselves. Um, But specifically why Dean should believe in himself, because if you recall at the end of the previous episode, Cass tells Dean like, well, you broke the first seal, you so you have to be the one who prevents the apocalypse from happening. Like he's the only one who can stop the apocalypse um, because he started it. And he's like, no, I can't do that. And Zachariah's like, well, here, actually, yes, you can. I think that's fair. I will say I like the discussion of Destiny because I really like in a TV series like that we are set on this path and that we're supposed to do this one thing, but then maybe we don't do it. So I'm very excited to see where it ends up. So I'm glad that it's being Mm -hmm. talked about. There are some things that have, like, I say the word confused. I, like, understand what's going on, but just, like, maybe confused at, like, why they would take it this direction. Yeah. When I think other things would be more interesting. The whole, like, how into this Sam was, I don't know how I felt about. I guess it is in line with his character where he's like, yes, I'm ready to hunt down Lilith and do whatever it takes. Yeah. But I do like that even in this mode that Dean is still having doubts about this because like in in like outside of this bottleneck, he is still having doubt like he's having doubts, too. So, no, I find it interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. His doubts are reflected in his like weird Dean Smith state. It takes him a minute to accept any of it every time he's presented with the supernatural. The one thing that does kind of bug me is um, this episode presents Destiny like it's some kind of choice. But I do definitely think Mm -hmm. that the way that the angels set this up and the storytelling has set it up is, to me, my only big issue with this episode is I wish it was like an actual choice, but it's like an illusion of choice. (laughs) Ah, yes, the illusion of choice. (laughs) Exactly. But it's painted as not being that. Now, I will say... In the final scene, which we'll get to later, 
Dean's like kind of non-answer I think is really good and yeah. I think it kind of gives me a little bit of what I want I don't know a part of it I I really like the other part of it I'm like it's an illusion though like I want to actually see his choice and like yeah no that makes sense I think what really stands out to me here beyond like you know ideas about their trajectory are the ideas about who they are as people um which is that you know sam feels very like caged and uncomfortable and stifled in the normal like without his memories sam is like itching to go do something and he knows that his normal nine to five life is wrong but dean fucking flourishes in the normal and obviously Uh like all of their memories are messed with and all but i think like it does to a certain degree reflect desire like we see dean earlier in the series and previous episodes and in the future of the series enjoy things that are more feminine um and more like particular like dressing nicely and like making sure his little drinks are how he wants them and like watching project runway and you know caring about like those stupid little minutia of life and then like the things that he talks about towards the end like having gone having been to stanford and then this idealized vision of like what his family actually is like it it really it kind of depresses me (laughs) yeah absolutely I'm, i'm like this to me like feels like he has so much regret and bitterness about where he could have gone and who he could have been not that i think he particularly wants to work a nine-to-five desk job and be like a marketing guy or whatever but you know it's like without his his memories of trauma he's really okay with doing normal stuff and just being a guy and you know he talks about that in previous episodes too like why resurrect me i'm just some guy and sam is like you're not joe the plumber (laughs) he's like well i want to be joe the plumber that fully sums up like how my problem and how i feel about this episode Mm -hmm. and i haven't decided if it's brilliant or like a waste of time personally i think it's brilliant I, I'm I'm waiting to fully get there. Yeah. But I see it. I see the vision. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we haven't talked about yet? Ghost facers. Ghost facers. <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was so happy that in um the previous episode you said your other favorite was the Ghost Facers episode. Like, knowing that they were going to make an appearance in this one, I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was the best scene of the episode. It was so fun. Yeah, no, it really is. I, I love the sort of weird, like, straight-faced banter they have when they're, like, on camera. You know, we have an understanding that things get edited. I feel like watching that is so weird because you're like, at what point of like their post-production process did they just decide not to edit some of right? the stuff out that's in there? Like the ghost adjacent problem. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Like, I want to get in their heads as, as like, people who, who do YouTube, you know? Yeah, yeah. So this is one of the first times we really know what's going on. That even though they're doing something different, the world around them has not changed. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. The fact that they, like, reference the Winchesters in the video. Yep. Like, I thought that built up a lot of intrigue. It was a lot of fun. Also, the fact that, like, their advice was actually useful and interesting makes me think about, like, how big of an impact, like, the boys actually do have on this world. Yeah! And then it also made me really excited to um, see the Ghost Facers next time, because, like, obviously they've now been transformed into something different th- from the last time we saw them. Yeah. They're clearly more competent and capable. Mm-hmm. And even emulating the Winchesters to, like, a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we we talked about it a little bit um, during the Ghost Facers episode, but... Basically, they do already have the formula of the episodes of Supernatural down. And, like, <laughs> it's it's so fun, I think, to see them be like, first, you do this, and then have Sam and Dean actually do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yep. the, the flipping back and forth between the two of them, it was just, it's just so fun. I don't know. It was a it was a fun take on the whole thing of like the namesake for the episode of like it's a wonderful life showing yeah. um the guy like how his how he's impacted things. So it was just kind of fun for them to do that through the ghost facers because basically basically the brothers are giving like themselves advice in this way. So, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I hadn't thought about it like that that they're giving themselves advice, but I guess mm-hmm. that's real. <laughs> <laughs> the line about milk teeth why why would you say that (laughs) is that what baby teeth are is that what they're known as i think that is an antiquated um colloquialism for Uh, yes so so that's that's like his attempt at like making a weird dean reference but it just it's too out there maybe i think he's just a weirdo no, absolutely. <laughs> I think he's just being weird. He does seem to immediately regret saying it, which is real. You have to learn how to edit, my guy. Yeah, again. How did that end <laughs> up in the final version of a video that they posted on the internet? That makes me wonder, like, is the, you know, the sort of the straight-faced, almost incompetent banter, like, is that part of a bit? But we see them outside of, but we kind of don't because there's the tape in the ghost faces. I don't know. I, it just, I'm getting really in my head about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are they in on the joke? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. know. After this ghost facer scene, mm-hmm. I feel like until the end of the episode, we're pretty like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Which I like. They don't really waste a lot of time. They're like, they just give us that action scene and then we get to what we're here for. Yeah. Which is some talking. Yeah, definitely. And they highlight the ways in which the two of them working together are a good team. Like, you know, one of them gets taken away by the guard, so the other one can go dig around in the drawer. And then, you know, one of them is distracting the ghost while the other one can light the glove on fire. And then the way they have them in sync swinging the iron at the ghost as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's good. 
We don't, and you know, we don't need all the fucking details. Just like, yep. get it going. That's fine. This is about the color palette. But I just want to say this switch from the sort of bright, saturated color palette to the more grayscale is exactly the reason why I think they should utilize color more often in this show. Mm-hmm. True. And we haven't done a big complaining about things being gray in a very long time because at this point, I think they finally figured out a much better balance. But there's just something really impactful about Zachariah like touching Dean's forehead and suddenly everything is like gray. I'm like, oh, he put the trauma back in the brain. <laughs> gray. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I just like, it's just so weird. The thing about this episode and this particular moment is like, it's so interesting. Like, I think I'm coming really around to it. Is the way the angels treat, like, them being hunters is like a gift. Yeah. I just find it compelling. Yeah. And I mean, hence the gaslighting. The aforementioned yeah. gaslighting. It's like, they're served up a shit sandwich every fucking day. And now they have a literal higher power being like, but look how lucky you are. It's so weird because the way it's presented by by Castiel mm-hmm. and Zachariah, like they're kind of presenting the same thing, but so different at the same time. Yeah. Because Castiel, it's more like they're presenting life. It's not about hunting. It's that Dean is getting another chance and that he deserves that other chance. Yeah. Where Zachariah is like, aren't you so glad you get to get back to work? Right, right, right. Definitely. It kind of reminds me of, like, the way the way he, like, pitches it, where he's like, you get to, like, ride, drive in your classic car and fornicate with women. Which, by the way, I hate that he says it like that. But it, yeah. it feels like when you start a new job and they're like, well, you only get paid $12 an hour, but you get free sodas all day. Yes. <laughs> like those places. They're like, open concept, floor plan, office space. And you get free snacks. Like, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> um, it's exactly that. Oh, I wanted to mention, so the actor who plays Zachariah, welcome to the show, Zachariah, by the way. Um, gotta have a new angel since we ditched Uriel. Gotta have a, a new angel character. This actor's name is Kurt Fuller. Um, he's been in tons of, like, episodes here and there of different, like, legal and medical and procedural dramas. But notable, he was in Evil, which is still currently airing. He was in Psych. He was in Alias. And he is, he's one of the, the main antagonists in the old movie Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> yeah. Which I can heartily recommend even now um it definitely holds up and it's really fucking gay i love it it's so it's such a good movie i love zachariah in a way that i love to hate him oh he's yeah he's just such a good rounded personification of upper management and i just oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely i think it's so apt that he gets introduced in this episode oh yeah and continues to just sort of have this like you know i'm your supervisor and kind of attitude 
I kind of like that, um, the thing that he is so, like, against, which is, like, this, like, grind, seems to be what he does on a higher level. Like, there's a lot of hypocrisy to him, Mm -hmm. which I find pretty cool for a character. So I'm curious to see where he goes. I love their last interaction there. Jordan, you said that there was something a Bruin about Dean's non-answer. Oh, yeah. Zachariah is so sure of himself. He's like, I'm going to snap this asshole out of it. He's going to see how lucky he's got it. He's going to go be a warrior for God. Mm -hmm. But, like, he doesn't get that answer from Dean. Yeah. Dean not answering and the lack of expression. Because, like, he asks, he's like, is this what you want? And he doesn't really let Dean answer. Like, it's just kind of assumed that, like, Dean would not want this life. I think Dean's facial expression like of frustration and like the sort of like clenched jaw kind of thing definitely indicates like a it almost feels like a um I don't want this because I don't want this for me not because you're telling me that I don't want it you know what I mean (laughs) which is kind of funny when I like say it like that but actually is really frustrating in the moment I think Like, even as an audience member, it's, like, aggravating. Like, we instinctually know that we don't want to agree with this Zachariah guy. I really enjoy about their interaction that Dean literally tells Zachariah to be specific. (laughs) When Zachariah (laughs) says, you can stop it. He's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And Zachariah's like, all of it, everything, you know. It's so annoying. (laughs) Yeah. I think annoying kind of just wraps up Zachariah's character, though. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. If we're we're going to reduce it. Yeah. He's like a love to hate in a very different way than with Uriel, you know? Although I guess I can't really honestly say that I hate Uriel. Uriel's a girl boss. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess that I see I don't like your real um so it's just it's I guess it's weirder for me with, with Zachariah because Zachariah is someone is like a manager I've had before oh yeah it's a little definitely. too close to home you know <laughs> definitely definitely fair, fair. yeah but Uriel's like the the mustache twirling you know uber villain yeah no but see I like that but for me, it's like that element of camp that just calls to me. I just think, I think it's fun. You know what I mean? There's nothing mm-hmm. fun about Zachariah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, just, I just want to like squeeze him until his head pops like a zit, you know? <laughs> Very I like graphic. how they've given us like two good angels and like we still don't even really know about Anna. They're just kind of like, yeah. These angel guys, they're dicks. Yeah. There's more evidence. And I, you know, I honestly wish that in tandem with that, we had more of the idea of a neutral area for demons as well. You know, because I mean, there's Ruby going on and she has been, obviously, since season three. But there was the episode Sin City um, in season three also that had the demon who was basically normal. I I wish alongside these, like, very, like, asshole angel types, there were some nicer demons. At least, like, one more. I don't know. 
to like balance it out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because I understand like the point is that neither of them are really like I, I when you think about it in terms of like demons want to raise Lucifer and cause the apocalypse to happen or whatever, you're like, okay, yeah, objectively, that's bad. But then you're presented with the angels who objectively are being also bad. <laughs> Just on, right, on right. less of a micro, or on more of a micro level than a macro. So, like, I understand that that's a goal that's being written towards. So for me, as a writer watching this, I'm like, I want to see it on the other end, too. Like, I want to come at this from both angles. But... Nothing can be perfect, obviously. And I think they they do what they can. Yeah, I can agree with that. Did we have anything else about the content of the episode? I can't think of anything. So, I guess that means it's time for the fanfic. Fanfiction! Woo! Yeah. Funnily enough, a little <laughs> while before we were getting online to record this, Ripley sent me a message and was like, hey, I have a fic that I would like to bring up for this episode <laughs> by Cass Lost Wings. And I was like, is it this one? <laughs> like, immediately. Yep. It is this one. <laughs> it's a good fic. It is. No, it actually, it's it's really good. It's called Home Is. By, it's by AO3 user Cassiel's Lost Wings. And this one is, I think, you know, on the on the more known end, Sitting at 12,500 some odd hits. I think most of the people who listen to our podcast um, have probably read this. But I'm shouting it out anyway. Because <laughs> I like it. Yes, dang it. <laughs> the summary is, Abruptly terminated from his all-encompassing job at Sandover Bridge and Iron, company man Dean Smith makes a spur-of-the-moment decision to embark on a cross-country road trip to quote-unquote find himself and if he's going why not ask along the strangely attractive but down on his luck homeless guy who's been sleeping outside sandover's building he looks like he needs some help finding himself too the hell with it dean's tired of playing by the rules and playing alone little does he know castiel may be just what he needs <laughs> so they uh they drive cross country in a prius <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's cute. It's it's so precious. So this one is rated E. The relationships are listed as Cass and Dean Winchester and also Cass and Dean Smith. Um, I think that's just because, like, it's literally the AU version of Dean, so it's not Dean. really Dean. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how do you even tag this? Right. But the other characters are Bobby, Ellen, Joe, Zachariah, and there's some various other appearances from the rest of the cast. The additional tags are AU, It's a Terrible Life, Season 4, Episode 17, It's a Terrible Life, <laughs> Castiel acts like Enverse Cass, Bobby Singer is Dean Winchester's parent, Road Trips, Explicit Sexual Content, Gay Sex, Fluff and Smut, Romance, Friendship slash Love, Homeless Castiel, Openly Bisexual Dean Winchester, Pansexual Castiel. And um, this is featured in a ton of different AO3 collections, including the um, Profound Bond Fic Rex and the Dusty Fan Survey Faves collection. 
Yeah. Uh, so this one was published in 2019. It's around um, 62,000 words. And like I said, uh, 12,500 hits. It's very well liked, pretty well known. I really enjoy this one because I think Dean Smith is such a wonderful little bubble of like all of the cute Dean things, you know? And I wish that was explored more. Um, I will say in the past when I've gone onto the Dean Smith tag to see what I could find because of its position in the series and because of the fact that Cass is not in the episode, I did find that um, most of those were also Sam Dean Winces yeah. stuff. So, yeah, um, you know, it is what it is. But I, you know, I wish there was more. I think he's an interesting aspect of Dean to explore. Yeah, I actually had that thought. Like, I would be so interested to see if Dean was actually allowed by the angels to continue on this path. Would like Castiel check up on him? Oh, I think he would. Wait, like canon cast? Wait, that's so cute. Like Dean's like, Aww. no, I'm not gonna do the fucking apocalypse or whatever. I'm just gonna be a sales and marketing guy for this iron company in <laughs> probably <laughs> Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh. Aww. Shut up. I love that. Cass randomly appears in the elevator, just boop. Hello, Dean. <laughs> Wait, no, I love this. Ripley. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> Cue the, um, the Crowley gif with the scroll. <laughs> yes. Add it on. Add it on to the list. Yep. It's on there. Anyway, <laughs> let's write the episode. What do you think, Jordan? Um, I'm going to give this episode a four out of five juice cleanses. <laughs> Okay. I liked the episode. I would have taken it maybe slightly in a different direction. I would have liked, instead of it being like, I would have found it more compelling if instead of it being like, look at how great you've got it, mm-hmm. it being like, uh, here's the time to make your choice. Like, because he said, like, I don't want to do it. I can't do this. Right. I would have been like, well, are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? That would have been more interesting to me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I discredit how interesting this episode was. So that's why I give it a four out of five juice cleanses. What about you, Ripley? I'm going to be really mean. Um, (gasps) I'm going to give it uh, three out of five neck stabbings (gasps) because it was interesting, but also hella traumatic for somebody who used to work in a cubicle like that. Hashtag triggered. Right. (laughs) I can say that because I have PTSD. Dun dun. Um, but yeah, so. I'm going to give this one a four out of five Teletubby custards because (laughs) (laughs) I actually find this episode really fun. I think on rewatches, it's, it's just really easy to get into the rhythm of like the episode with like, you know, you got the kinks playing at the beginning and you're like, yeah, little Dean Smith going to do his little office stuff. And I think I just have um, Dean-colored glasses 
on and I just can't dislike it. Dean colored glasses as opposed to rose colored glasses because I'm not nostalgic. I'm whatever the Dean version of nostalgic would be. <laughs> just in case anyone is wondering about my thought process there. But yeah, I, I just, I find this episode really charming. Oh, it's that time, isn't it? It's that time. We ended on some more, you know, not exactly an ultimatum, but... An angelic uh, kick to the rear. Yes. What's what's going to happen next? Oh, y'all. It's got to have something to do with Zachariah. He's got to have some orders, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we got to get back to the thing. Okay, we have to have Lilith in the next episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense. Just for the pacing of this season, if we do not have... We have four episodes left. Five? Four? Four. Four. Four episodes left. If Lilith does not make an appearance, then, like, I don't think we're seeing her again. Like, I think she's off in Sandusky or wherever <laughs> demons go to uh, possess children and murder She's at Zumbezi Bay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think Dean is going to start to fake it until he makes it. I think that's just what's going to be going on with him is that he's like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be this hunter. It makes me happy. So he's going to try and push through some unresolved feelings about how depressed he is. Oh, damn. <laughs> Poor little I... Dean. <laughs> Poor Dean. I think Sam... Oh, gosh. I might take some big swings. Do it. Lay them on us. Sam now, I think, is an actual threat to Lilith, where before mm-hmm. he was not. He could absorb her, like, light thingy, mm-hmm. which, um, demons fighting with light, that's a little weird, I will say. But he can absorb her little light thingy. But I think now he's become an actual threat, so I think Lilith might try and reach out to him in some way to be like, hey... Why don't you, like, rethink that, like, Prince of Hell thing? We can, like, rule together and keep, like, Lucifer at bay. And I think Ruby... I don't want Ruby to be evil. But I think she is. I think she's working for Lilith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Either that or she's working with Lucifer to kill Lilith. Mm-hmm. Uh, things are not looking good, huh? No, I like Ruby. I actually really like this Ruby, too. I was a big fan of uh, Katie Cassidy. I mostly just liked her stance. Girl had a good stance. She had swagger. But I like this Ruby. Yeah, she had a wide gate. I like a bitch with a wide gate. Love a bitch who can manspread. <laughs> <laughs> Does any of this make sense? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I okay, see. Well. I knew that you would come around to um, Jen Padalecki, her version of Ruby, because yeah. that—that's the version that I really ended up drawn to i don't know there's just something about like her snark that works really well yeah i think my only problem was they went from tall sneery lady to not tall lady Mm -hmm. who's not as sneery and i think i just missed tall sneery lady yeah i like a tall sneery lady she was a little more abrasive in season three originally Yeah. yeah But it makes sense that her edges are filed down because she's been dealing with Sam for quite a while, so... Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. And makes sense. Sam's little puppy dog eyes. And they've been Wear doing it. Wear down anybody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Jordan. And they've been doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Making Teletubby custards together. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Why would you say that? 
I just invented the word. <laughs> that was your doing. You unleashed that upon the world. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> you <gasps> made the Teletubby. You made the original Teletubby custard. <laughs> The Tinky Winky Cream. <laughs> oh, no. The Lala Liquid. <laughs> the Dipsy Drip. <laughs> the Po Poo. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ending it. I'm ending I think it. I yeah, I think we're unhinged enough. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhart, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Kripke's Hollow, Ohio, which is not, it, that cannot be a real place, Eric Kripke. <laughs> what the fuck? Was it with a Kripke's mill? Yeah, essentially. Kripke's Hollow. Kripke's Hollow. Hollow. Oh, I, edgy. Yeah. Kripke's mill is funnier. Honestly, outing himself as a Gilmore Girls girl. A Gilmore gay. <gasps> dare we say it? We dare. Anyway, bye. 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 <laughs>